Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. No, no, I'll be able to explain how the translated lyrics to Damon's song explain the dragon bond. I just have to, you know, talk about lemur theory. It'll be, it'll be like 15 minutes tops. Hey there, friends. David Lightbringer here, and I've got good news for you. Although season one of House of the Dragon is over, and that is a little sad, the good news is that I now have a chance to make all the videos that I had ideas for during the season but didn't have time to make. I've got stuff coming about the transmission of Aegon's prophecy from Aegon down to Viserys and beyond, including to House Stark, potentially. I've got stuff about how Visenya made Maegor as a clone of herself, as if she were some kind of damn gecko and i got some good old-fashioned character analysis as well of course best news of all the sunday live streams will continue but back at their old time of 3 p.m pacific which is currently 10 p.m gmt so make sure you are subscribed to the channel so you never miss a starry wisdom sunday all right so damon's song the lyrics have been translated for us and i believe i have deciphered its meaning oh yes now contrary to what most people have said about it i don't think it's about the three conquerors aegon visenya and rainies but rather about the secret of the creation of the valerian dragon bond itself in this essay, I will <laughs> explain my theory about the creation of the Dragon Bond, which involves, yes, like I said, something called Valyrian Lemur Theory and also the Riddle of the Valyrian Sphinx. And this will allow us to understand what Damon's song is all about and why Damon is singing it to Grandpa Vermithor, and most importantly, what Damon expects the song to do. We're getting back to hardcore Song of Ice and Fire theorycraft, folks, so strap in. So the song has four stanzas, with the first three being composed in English by the highly sought-after T. McKell, who is both a writing assistant to George Martin and a writer for House of the Dragon. Then David J. Peterson, the linguist who essentially created the High Valyrian language based on a few made-up words by George, came along and translated those first three stanzas into High Valyrian and also added a fourth stanza to, quote, help clean things up as more words were required to get the meaning that was packed into the original English. So here is the translation of the song, or poem, if you will. Fire breather, winged leader, but two heads to a third sing. From my voice, the fires have spoken, and the price has been paid with blood magic. With words of flame, with clear eyes, to bind the three, to you I sing. As one we gather, and with three heads, we shall fly as we were destined, beautifully, freely. All right, so that's pretty cool. Nice work there, T. McKell and David J. Peterson. We've got some blood magic talk in there, some words of flame, something about binding the three heads of the dragon, so it all sounds pretty cool. But what's it about? Let's start with the three heads of the dragon idea that is clearly running all through this poem. 
Generally, the idea that the dragon must have three heads is understood to refer to three riders for three dragons, just as Jorah suggested to Daenerys in A Storm of Swords. Originally, it would have been the three Targaryen conquerors and their dragons, of course, and prophetically, it would seem to refer to Daenerys, Jon, and... Oh man, I can't read the script right there. Some ink spilled on it. Mm, oh well. Anyway, I don't disagree with that idea. I do think that's one layer of meaning. But ever since an online conversation I had with someone called Jay Stargarian, shout out buddy, back in 2015 on the old Westeros.org forums, I've held the belief that the concept of three heads of the dragon might, might also refer to something much deeper and more fundamental to the Valyrian people's existence, their ability to bond with dragons. And this, to me, fits the wording of the poem far better than the idea that it's about three dragon riders. But take a listen and see what you think. So the basic theory here is that there are three heads needed to make the dragon bond in the first place, the original dragon bond. And those three heads would be the ones belonging to the dragon, the rider, and the rider's ancestor, who was sacrificed and soul-stuffed into the dragon so that their descendants would be, quote, kin to the dragons they controlled, as is said about the Valerian dragon lords. Say what now? Yes, that's the idea. It's a bit like the fandom's general working theory about the magic ceremony that must be needed to open up a weirwood tree for green seer use, where there's an original blood sacrifice needed to open the tree's newly carved eyes, so to speak, so that other green seers might see through them. So, to make the dragon bond, you'd start by sacrificing a Valyrian who, very importantly, has already had children. And then, using that sacrifice to power blood magic, you'd then somehow transfer the spirit of that slain Valyrian into the dragon, much in the way a skin changer lives a second life in their animal. Assuming such an act were possible, then the descendants of the sacrificed Valyrian would have a kind of affinity to the dragon containing their ancestor's spirit, as well as to all the dragons that descend from that original dragon who would presumably contains some part of that spirit essence. The two lineages of dragon and dragonlord could then be considered kin, which fits very well with what the world of ice and fire tells us about the Valerians. The tales the Valerians told of themselves claimed they were descended from dragons and were kin to the ones they now controlled. So this is all theoretical, of course. We know the Valerians could do all kinds of things with blood sacrifice and blood magic, but we don't have any record of them being able to stuff ghosts inside of dragons, so this is theoretical, but it would neatly explain the familial incest of the Targaryens, and more importantly, the Valerians who came before them. After all, if only the descendants of an original sacrificed Valerian can bond with the dragons that descend from the original dragon that that ghost was stuffed into, well, then you'd want to marry within the family to maintain your control over that line of dragons. I've always kind of wondered why the Valerians would practice familial incest when there were, of course, dozens of noble dragon-riding Valyrian houses who could have all intermarried with one another. I mean, if the only concern was maintaining Valyrian traits, one noble house could just marry another. But according to this theory, the dragon-riding families would be keeping it in the family in order to 
keep the dragons in the family and out of the hands of the other rival Valyrian houses. Now, after the Doom, the Targaryens were the only dragon-riding family left, and all their dragons would have been of the same lineage. So their main concern became maintaining a certain amount of Valyrian blood so they could ride dragons at all. But for the Valyrians, there really was no apparent need to marry their siblings, aunts, uncles, and cousins just to maintain Valyrian looks. So another explanation has always been needed, and if they were doing it to monopolize specific lineages of dragons, well, not only would that make a lot of sense, it would also parallel the very real incest practiced by the royal families of the medieval world and elsewhere, which was of course done to monopolize wealth and power. That's right, it wasn't just to create a bigger chin, it was to monopolize wealth and power. That's typically how Martin writes fantasy, by the way. The magical powers in his pretend worlds tend to mirror the dynamics of sources of power in the real world. So, why do I think that the Valerians might have created the dragon bond by stuffing ghosts into dragons? Well, because lemurs. No, really, because lemurs. The ones with silver fur and huge purple eyes that Danny sees in the forest of Kohor, all the way back in A Game of Thrones. What, you haven't seen a purple-eyed lemur? I mean, just go down to the Citadel in Old Town. They've, they have one stuffed and mounted there. Though, admittedly, so many hands have patted it for luck in their examinations that its fur has long since fallen out. Sorry about that. It is good luck to rub the lemur's head. I mean, it's just, you gotta do it if you're there. Anyways, these purple-eyed and silver-furred lemurs are actually called little valerians for obvious reasons. Because the valerians evolved from lemurs. No. No, that's not why. And I promise this will help explain Damon's song, so just bear with me. Valyrian lemur theory is one of the coolest theories I've ever heard, and as soon as I read the lyrics to Damon's song, I got very excited because I knew right away that I'd be here talking about lemurs with you, as I am now. So the word lemur comes from the Latin lemures. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but you can see it on the screen. And that word refers to the malevolent and fearful ghosts of the dead that were exorcised from the home during the Lemuria festival. So how did those cute little lemurs from Madagascar become associated with these kind of vengeful ghosts? Well, Western zoologists first applied the lemur term to the slender loris, which is slow-moving and nocturnal, like a ghost. But then it turned out that the Malagasy people, and I hope I'm saying that close to right, of Madagascar have legends about lemurs being the souls of their ancestors. Wow, what a coincidence. So those animals became lemurs, and the slender loris, I guess, became the slender loris. And that's how you have lemurs, who are thought to contain the spirits of human ancestors, entering Western consciousness, and thus George R.R. R. Martin's imagination. So, knowing all that, ask yourself, why would George create lemurs in his world that look like and are even named after Valerians? The answer is to tell us that Valerians put the ghosts of their ancestors inside animals. Not the lemurs, though, obviously. We're, we're talking about the Valerians putting their spirits inside of dragons. In other words, George could have chosen any animal to call Valerians, but he chose the ones whose name means ancestor ghost, because the ghosts of dead Valerian ancestors are now inside of animals, inside the dragons. And bonus points for Valeria being 
kind of like Atlantis. And of course, the Atlantis-adjacent myth of lost Lemuria also derives its name, as you might guess, from the Latin word for ghost, Lemures, and the Lemuria Festival, as the legend of lost Lemuria is, of course, about a land where everyone died, just like Atlantis and Valeria. All right, now it's time for one of the very coolest little tidbits of Valerian lore, the Valerian Sphinx and the idea of it being a riddle. So Valerian Sphinxes, such as appear in the throne room in King's Landing, have human heads on the bodies of dragons, which is interesting. After all, if we were to see the opposite pairing on a statue, a dragon head on a human body, it would pretty much seem like a visual depiction of the fact that the Targaryens are dragons and that they have actual dragon DNA in their bloodstream. Well, a dragon with a human head, that could represent a dragon with some kind of human aspect, not worms with hands and faces as what crawled out of Araya Targaryen, mind you, but rather a dragon with a human's spirit inside of it. A dragon that can bond with humans who descend from the spirit inside of it. And when such a dragon rider climbs on such a dragon, there are in fact three heads involved. That of the rider, the dragon, and the ancestor spirit. Consider now the dying ramblings of one Aemon Targaryen called Maester Aemon by some, which come from a Sam chapter of A Feast for Crows, and notice how the narrative switches from talking about the Sphinx to the three-handed dragon. He said the Sphinx was the riddle, not the Riddler, whatever that meant. He asked Sam to read for him from a book by Septon Barth, whose writings had been burned during the reign of Baelor the Blessed. Once he woke up weeping, the dragon must have three heads, he wailed. But I am too old and frail to be one of them. I should be with her, showing her the way. But my body has betrayed me. So Maester Aemon is very clearly thinking of the three heads of the dragon as three dragon riders. But consider the line about the Sphinx being the riddle and not the Riddler. In classic mythology, Sphinxes do often speak in riddles. But Aemon is saying that the Sphinx itself is a riddle, one which we may just have decoded. The Valyrian Sphinx, the human-headed dragon, is a riddle about where the mysterious, invisible third head of a dragon ride it comes from. Because when you read the lyrics to Damon's song, there's definitely an invisible third head. The poem mentions three heads throughout, but it really doesn't sound like it's talking about the three conquerors. For example, it says two heads to a third sing. So what, do people think this is about Aegon and Rhaenys singing to Visenya? Oh, Visenya, oh, Visenya. Yeah, no, I don't think so. This is about the dragon bond. So the two heads that sing would be the ones making noise in the cave. Damon and Granddaddy Vermithor. So who is this third head that they're singing to with this song about blood magic? Well, the spirit of Damon's ancient ancestor, a piece of whom lives on in this dragon. Awakening this essence is what allows Vermithor to bond with one of the Targaryen bloodline. And even though Daemon isn't planning on bonding with Vermithor, for no person ever bonded with more than one dragon, Daemon does definitely want to prepare Vermithor to bond again with someone who is on Team Rhaenyra, Team Black, so that Vermithor might be ridden into battle. Vermithor and Silverwing dwell on the Dragon Mound. Still riderless. 
I mean, you saw him already counting these unclaimed dragons, such as Vermithor, among their number when he was talking about which side has how many dragons. Then there are the three wild dragons, all of whom nest here. And who is to ride them? Dragonstone has 13 to their four. I also have a score of eggs incubating in the dragon mound. So we know he intends to get somebody to ride them. So when we think about the lyrics to Damon's song like this, it pretty much all makes sense. So the first line, fire breather, winged leader, but two heads to a third sing. Damon is acknowledging the dragon first, the fire breathing winged leader of the human dragon pairing. Then it says, but two heads. But meaning there's something more going on here, which is that somehow two heads are singing to a third head. Second line, from my voice the fires have spoken, and the price has been paid with blood magic. So here, Damon wants the fire to speak through his voice, presumably to awaken the ancestor spirit in the dragon. The price for this power has been paid with blood magic, which means magic centered around human sacrifice. So that would be the price paid by Damon's ancestor who was killed and spirit stuffed into Balerion the Black Dread's great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother. And it would have to be a female dragon because you'd want the spirit to be originally in a dragon that would lay eggs and pass that spirit essence on to subsequent generations of dragons. Third line, with words of flame, with clear eyes, to bind the three, to you I sing. This line makes it even more clear. The words of flame that Damon is singing, through which the fire speaks, are in fact a spell, which is intended to bind the three heads of the dragon. Two heads singing to a third is apparently itself an act of fire magic and blood magic. Because Damon and Vermithor are awakening the sleeping third head of this dragon bond. The lemur head, if you will. The Valerian ghost. I think that's why the camera zooms in to show Vermithor's eye reflected in Damon's eye. Two heads are clearly connecting here, and the lyrics are telling us what the purpose is. To you I sing to bind the three heads. The line with clear eyes is probably a clue that this eye contact is part of the spell, and we can see that it's working. So again I say that the three heads being bound here really can't be three dragon riders, as that simply doesn't fit the wording, at least in my opinion. Let me know what you think in the comments. So then we come to the last stanza, which was again added to clarify the meaning. As one we gather, and with three heads, we shall fly as we were destined, beautifully, freely. So, myth friends, I say unto you, this is about the fundamental miracle of flying on dragons. Damon isn't singing to Vermithor a song about the three conquerors gathering to fly together, which would make this scene so much less. It would essentially be just Damon singing an old Valyrian classic that Grandpa Vermi has heard before because he likes it. Oh yeah, I remember when this song was big. Instead, I think it makes a lot more sense that Damon is singing a song which is actually a spell to begin to prepare Vermithor for bonding, just as the lyrics suggest, and that as one we gather with three heads refers to awakening the invisible third head with spell and song so that all three heads can work in unison. That is how we shall fly free as we were destined. And that is how you fly as a three-headed dragon. Not three dragons and three riders. One dragon, 
with three heads joined. So that means if three dragons and three dragon riders had actually be nine heads, and I think the beast from Revelation has seven heads and ten horns. So yeah, you get the idea. Alrighty, thanks very much for watching, and if you've signed up recently to become a YouTube channel member subsquisher with the join button below the screen, the link to our Discord can be found simply by clicking the community tab of our YouTube channel front page. If you signed up as a patron on Patreon, then just check out our Patreon front page where I've posted the Discord invite link. Thanks everyone, and don't forget to tune in this Sunday at 3pm Pacific for a Season 1 Mega Review featuring Grey Waste Tim and Girl Metals. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.